Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I love this time of the year, don't you? I think I'm going to love this time next year even better. How many are ready for 2021? God is so good. I was thrilled uh, when asked if I would speak on the subject that kind of helps lead us into Big Give next week. I absolutely love speaking on generosity. And uh, the reason for that really will, will unfold as I'm talking to you uh, because I have so many wonderful experiences in watching people grasp what the Bible really says about generosity. I want to start with a quote from Rick Warren, who pastor Saddleback Church in Southern California, and he says this, and I think it really helps explain some things. If you want the blessings of God in your life, if you want the power of God in your life, if you want the anointing of God in your life, You must build your life on three things. And this is what he says. Integrity, humility, and generosity. And what's interesting is the three things that we have here keep us from the traps of failure in life. And as you look at the scriptures on all of these and so many other things, generosity, giving, far outweighs all the others. And of those three, there's just more Bible about generosity. That's, that's the way it is. And so personally, what I get out of being able to speak on the subject is I can reflect on what I've seen in my decades of ministry and know what's going to happen in lives as we begin to grasp how significant and how important these things are. Uh, there are over 7,000. Everybody say 7,000. 7,000 promises. That's a lot. Promises in God's Word about success, blessings, satisfaction, protection, and of course the list goes on and on and on. And and we're not just talking about money here in case you get confused about that. We're talking about our time, our energy, our praise, our talent, all the great things that are all gifts from God and how we use those things in life. And so the way I like to look at it is we're becoming unselfish when we talk about generosity. So this is a big opportunity going into next week, big give. I believe in it. I have personally found out that it's the only way to even view life is to understand these promises. Let let me give you just a little information and and, and see how this registers and understand what generosity, what giving uh, really looks like in comparison to everything else in the Bible. Concerning believing and belief, there are 272 verses On prayer, on praying, 371 verses. And love. How many believe love is a great subject? Great subject. Wonderful subject. Actually, it kind of doubles everything else. 714 verses. But generosity, giving, triples all of that. 2,152 verses. 2,152 verses that relate to giving. So it's important because it's important to God if it's in his word. It says in God's word, and we know this, 
And you can quote the rest of it after I start. For God so loved the world that, say that real loud. He gave his only begotten son. God is a giver. And he wants us to be more like him. I'll talk about that. He'll want us to understand the protection that we have. We'll talk about that. And all so many different things. I'm going to bring out some points. I can't do all 7,000 of them unless you're willing to stay till this time tomorrow. But I'm going to give you just a few in just a little while. A few amazing benefits of generosity. They are amazing. Truly amazing because we serve an amazing God. See, let's start with this, this premise to all of that though. You can give without loving. You can give and not have even a good view of life. So you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. The fact that God is love is a God of love lets us know where all things begin. So let's go. Here's one point I want to give you. Number one, and you might want to write these down, generosity honors God. Generosity honors God. Giving is an act of worship. And worship honors God and giving and worshiping. 2 Corinthians 9.13 tells us, you will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever is generous to the needy honors God. And so much of what happens from, from Word of Life is such a powerful thing because you see generosity everywhere. You see generosity in everything that's preached. I appreciate Joel Sims's attention to reminding us over and over again that we get to where we need to be in him because we're honoring God and we're generous. Number two, generosity draws me closer to God. How many of you have heard somebody say, we just need to get closer to God? I've heard that through this year more than I think I've ever heard. If we'll just get close to God. Well, generosity does that. And why? Whatever we invest in, Whatever it is, it shows the importance that we place on that through how we give to that particular situation that we invest in. You see, we all need a home, so obviously we invest in trying to have a good home. We all need transportation. I didn't see any horses tied up outside. I didn't see anybody walking here today, and so we invest in that. And uh, we, those are our two great investments in life. And so whatever it is that I invest in, I get closer to. And it is, Deuteronomy 24, 23, the first part of that, or the second part of it, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So it's easy to say, well, you know, I think I can afford the car, or I think we can afford the house, and then suddenly we're cutting out God. It's easy to decide that, and, and we all need a good vacation. I want a really good vacation in 21. I want, do anybody else want to do that? Do you really want to be able to get out, be able to go, be able to do? Of course we do. But you know, we never cut God out. But here's the good news about that. When we put him first, then he will provide for all those other good things in life because he understands that we can be trusted with what we desire to do because we have put him first. Matthew 6, 21 says this, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. And we love that verse. We understand that verse. So we have to ask our question when we go into a lesson like this, a message like this, where's my heart? 
Number three, generosity makes me more like Jesus. And I, I hear people say all the time, I just want to be like him. Paul said, oh, he wants to be like him. The most generous person ever was Jesus. That's the mark of his coming. God so loved the world. Generous. He was always giving. And the more godly we are, the more generous we'll be. And the more generous we are, the more godly we'll be. Proverbs 21, 26 says, The greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. You know any greedy people? I do. But it's so easy for us to make that turn. More. You know, I don't know about you, but I had to catch myself looking at things online. Just shopping. Don't really need anything. Did we buy that vacuum cleaner yesterday? Did we really need it? My wife says that we needed the vacuum cleaner. Did we need that? No, I'm not going to go there because you're going to say no. But it's easy. And then these magazines come. And, and she will allow me to do this. But, uh, you know, we, we get Sharper Image magazines. They got things in there that I never dreamed existed. Man, it would be nice to have that. Really? You see what I'm saying? And... When we, when we understand how important it is not to be greedy, the greedy always want more. And then it says in Luke eleven forty one, 41, purity is best demonstrated by generosity. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers, I, you know, before you could uh, go online and listen to all these various messages and before you could read all these great uh, blogs and so on and so forth, uh, I, I just learned to listen then, and I listen now. And when you talk on this subject, there's, a, there's one particular illustration that everybody likes to use, but I think they stole it from me because uh, I, I heard somebody else tell it, and I thought, this is what my son did. And the story goes like this, and this is a real story. This happened to us. So we'd gone to McDonald's, and uh, I didn't want French fries, but uh, you know, my son had French fries, and I was sitting there with my son. Hey, have you seen that commercial, Don't Ever... Don't ever do what some people say, oh, I don't want the fries when you're going through the drive-thru because they'll eat yours if you don't go ahead and get them the fries. And so anyway, he's sitting there with fries and they smell so good. So I just reached over and grabbed a couple of them. He was a little kid, but he knew that those were his fries and he let me know, those are my fries. Well, when he said that, I realized there were about three things that he really needed to understand. First of all, he didn't know, he didn't realize that I was the source of those fries. I bought those fries. I, bought, I, I got my credit card out and bought those fries. The next thing he didn't know was, I would have never done it, but I could have taken those fries away from him. I wouldn't have done it, but he needed to know that I, I could have. And then thirdly, he needed to know that I didn't need those french fries. If I wanted to, I could buy a hundred packs of French fries. Or I could say, we're not going to have any, and I don't need any. And the point to that is, God wants us to understand exactly what I wanted my son Jason to understand. God wants us to know that he's the source of everything. Take a deep breath. He gave you that breath. Get a picture of what the car looks like when you go out to leave here. He gave you that car. Think about those beautiful children, our grandchildren, our family. Think about the many blessings that you have. Take a hold of a little bit of that fabric that you're wearing. God gave you that. 
the many blessings, the ability to, you know, get a decent education and to be able to apply our lives to something that has meaning. God is the provider of all things. And so generosity, you know, it's an amazing thing. It makes me more like him. Number four, generosity is the cure for materialism. Now, when you ask people, they'll generally say, well, I'm not materialistic. Well, it's so easy to be materialistic. And that's why I was saying all these magazines, all these things that are presented to us. Materialism is about getting. Every time you give, you're able to break that spirit of I have to have. And we need to break materialism. And how do we do it? How does it work? I really think that without God, it's almost impossible not to be materialistic. Because we value our net worth as our self-worth. And God wants us to know that he should be number one. So are things and money number one? Or is God number one? In every relationship, God needs to be the center of it. You cannot serve, this is what the scripture says in Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to point out cannot. It doesn't say you should not. It says you cannot. It's absolutely impossible to serve both. 1 Timothy 6, it says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I want to stop right there, our enjoyment. God wants us to be able to enjoy the blessings of life. When we get our perspective right, we can do that. When we put our hope in God, we can do that. He provides, richly provides us with everything. That word everything is, is a pretty big word, and the enjoyment is a pretty important word. Without God, though, and our priorities right, the enjoyment is very temporal, and the satisfaction is almost never there very long. He goes on to say in that verse, Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will take hold of, of the life that is true. So again, I remind you, our net worth doesn't determine our self-worth. Number five, generosity demonstrates faith. Our giving, let's, let's look at Philemon uh, 9.3. Your giving proves the reality of your faith. Actually, this is 2 Corinthians 9.13. Your giving proves the reality of your faith. I don't know if I've ever had that hit me like it did recently, that it proves. You know, we go through life proving a lot of different things, but that's one we need to prove. And then Philemon 1.6 says, you are generous because of your faith. And then Malachi 3.10, we know, most of us know, bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. See, this verse shows us he's God. And it's also the first time and the only time in the Bible we see that we can actually prove by this word test. We're proving that he is. He wants us to do that. We need to ask ourselves, 
when it, when it comes to all of this, you know, am I really living a life where this rose out? I want to share a, a story that uh, I've shared all over, all over the nation because it tells it so well. But it's not the only story like this. But this particular couple really walked down the road of generosity the way that we've been talking about, the way Malachi talks about. Anyway, the, the wife, the young lady, they were both very young, she was on staff when we were pastoring in Arkansas. And uh, we were uh, doing some things that required us to do what's happening next week, kind of a big give thing. And uh, the, the first thing that happened was we were going to do some things around around the world. We were going to help in missions. And I forgot how many uh, missionaries. I love how Pastor Joel Sims is so supportive of, of missions. In fact, Big Give is going to help uh, Ray, Ray McClumby. Isn't that great? I mean, and, and you hear about things that he does. His heart's touched, and, and he does this. And I think that's the reason that God's blessing you. That's the reason God's blessing this church. But anyway, I taught something similar to this. And so they made their mind up that they were going to do something big, really big. They, 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 they wanted children, they wanted a house, they, they wanted to get their life going, and, uh, but yet they hadn't done it yet. But they had just received a part of an inheritance, a sum from part of the inheritance of, uh, of his family. And that was enough probably to make the down to payment on their house. But they just made the decision based on what I was teaching that they were going to give that to missions and that God would take care of the rest. Well, I saw it, and it kind of like, I, because she worked in the office, it kind of shattered me a little bit, but I said, well, that's good. God's going to take care of them. It'll be okay. And, uh, you know, I teach this stuff, but then some people walk out in it, and you're like, oh, my. <laughs> I hope it works out for them. But I, I was convinced that it would. So roll along further, and God blessed them. I heard a couple of things they said God had done for them. And I don't know, maybe a year later, we did another deal, and this time, it was going to be more about what we could do as a church. It's kind of like the Highland Colony Church is also a part of Big Give because what a great opportunity for Word of Life to be all across the city. Isn't that great? I mean, God is good on that stuff. And so uh, some of your giving is going to help with that, and, and that will be a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous piece. So now we were going to do that. We were going to build a, a huge uh, building. It was going to be a facility for kids to come and, and have activities and then we were adding on to our parking and part of the church and just a lot of different things and it was a, it was a pretty, pretty big dream but I believe that God was going to touch some people's heart. Well we did it and that night commitments came in and, and uh, offering came in and boy were we ever excited about it and the next day as I always did I personally went through those things and was going to pray over them and I saw this couple's, this couple's card and, 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 and honestly I probably shouldn't have said it, but the very first thing that I said to myself was, oh, no, they can't do this. This is way beyond what a young couple can do. And it was a, you know, it was a huge amount of, of, of money and a huge amount of some monthly commitment. And, and I thought, this just, uh, I, don't, I don't get how this is going to work. So anyway, <clears throat> I was going to try to set up a time where I could talk to them. But as I was walking out the door, she caught me as I went. She said, my husband, I want to meet with you. And I thought, that's great. They've realized they need to kind of think about this. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. And so I set it up. I believe it was that evening. And so they came, and they came in bubbling. I mean, they were excited. They were talking about, you know, that God had already uh, blessed them before, but now he's really, really blessing them. And so I said, well, uh, tell me about it. 
So when his mother found out that they you know, had used money to get the house, she was telling her family, and there were other people that shared in this inheritance, and one of them in particular wanted to give her entire peace to them because of their faith and what they decided to do, so they were still going to be able to get their house. Another piece that had happened was he worked for a clothier, and they, they, did, uh, they took various shipments of stuff with a van to other areas of the state and so on and so forth. And so he, he decided, you know, uh, my wife's car is paid for, mine's not, I can sell mine. If I could drive that van, we can give the car payment on a monthly basis. And I'm looking at him like, man, do you really want to do that? And I guess he could tell because he kind of just quickly went, you got to hear how this all worked out. And uh, anyway, there were several different things they had figured out that they could do to be able to give big like that. Well, when he went into work after their commitment, his boss brought him into the office and said, I want to talk to you. He said, I've never seen anybody do what, what you guys are doing. He said, I, I'm so impressed with this. He said, I want you to go to New York to me when I go up there to buy. He was a clothier. <laughs> of course, that just, you know, that was beyond any expectations. And not only that, I'm going to give you a raise. And he got a really good raise. And so I'm sitting there thinking, this is really pretty good stuff, you know. But it goes beyond all of that because the following Sunday, his boss, who was not living for God, shows up in church, totally surrenders his life to the Lord, and reaches out to several other people. And so, you know, the, the family gives them more money again. They can buy their house. They still don't have children. Three months later, she was expecting Come on, give it up to Jesus. That's good stuff. And, 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 and I tell you, I feel really bad because I, I, I'm probably telling too many stories here today, but I literally have hundreds of stories like this because this has become an important message to me. It's an important thing that I want to get out because I can look across the history of my life and my ministry and see people's lives that are totally changed because of it, churches that are totally changed, uh, works across the world that are totally changed. And somebody say, well, I, you know, I've heard preachers, I just can't preach on this subject. I can't not preach on this subject because it's so true and it's so real. Number six, generosity reveals my character. It says in Luke 16, 11, if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I need to ask this question. Can God trust us? Can he really trust us? That, gets, that comes down to our character. And it reveals not only to God, but to so many others. You know, I started out talking about Rick Warren. He's, he's a, to me, he's, he's an amazing person because when he, he's so authentic and he tells how their start was so different than where they are now. But what most people don't know, and he went 25 years without telling this, every year they made a determination. And, and, and I'm not trying to say you need to do this. I don't personally do this. I give tithe and, and I give offering, and sometimes it's significant. But they determined that on a regular basis they were going to increase their tithe 1% every year. And they're to the point now where they give 91%. I think he was influenced by J.C. Penney. I think he heard that, understood that. But uh, anyway, along the way, it's pretty obvious that God trusted him. He wrote this book that, by the way, next to the Bible is the best-selling book in the world. Can somebody tell me the name of the book? Purpose-driven life. It has sold copies and changed lives and been the focus of many small groups and Bible studies and all that kind of stuff. 
And why did that happen? Because God looked at him and said, I can trust him because he trusts me. When I've heard him tell the story, he talks about one guy. said, well, yeah, if I had millions of dollars, I could give two. Rick Warren said, no, you wouldn't. He said, because you're not giving now. It's about God trusting us and moving us forward. Either we believe the promises of God or we don't. And the number seven actually follows that. Generosity brings God's blessings. Generous people will be blessed. Proverbs 22, 9. Generous people will be blessed. Uh, there was a time when, when Nita and I, we, we, we were in our 20s. We had founded a church out in Virginia. And uh, just every week, I'd pretty much ask the guy to handle finances. How are we doing? What do we need? God had blessed me with us bivocational with a great job. And sometimes I would just, you know, write a check out. That's kind of how I did my extra. But this time, he said, well, you know, we made these missions commitments. We've got this going on and so on and so forth. He said, I really need $10,000. Well, $10,000 back in the 70s was a lot of money. And so uh, I looked at my checkbook, and there was just a little over 10000 I saw that as God talking to me. I wrote the check. I didn't know how much food was in the refrigerator. I did not understand what other responsibilities we were going to have. But what I did know was God had always come through for us. So I wrote the check. And the next, uh, next day, I listened to R.W. Shambach. Anybody ever heard of R.W. Shambach? A lot of people. He was one of the great preachers. Before you had podcasts, he was on all these powerful radio stations, particularly at night, and he always would have a great message of faith. And he told a great story about how a guy gave an offering and somebody called him, just God gave him his phone number and gave him a house, and here, here he was trying to start a church, and it was just, wow, just a miraculous thing. I said, God, if you're going to do that for him, I'm okay on this. I really hadn't doubted you, but boy, that makes me feel good. I get up the next morning, and I'm in my office, and the telephone rings, and it's a, it's a realtor that I knew, uh, uh, he, he had been a medical doctor. This is actually his, his brother-in-law that called me. And uh, we'd actually bought a house from them. And they just somehow favored, gave us a relationship there. And he said, uh, th this particular uh, Virginia land is what it's called. They were trying to build developments all around the city, University of Virginia and the city of Charlottesville. And he had this one big one he was trying to get, but he had to liquidate some stuff. So on paper, he could leverage it if he was able to sell some stuff on contracts. It, he says, I know you live uh, out there by Hollymead. And he said, we got a farmhouse there. It's two-story. It's nice. It's a great subdivision. But we want to sell it. And, and you know, if you, it's got renters in it. So maybe at some point you can make some money on it. And I thought, great. I didn't even think about the $10,000. So anyway, I went down there. I walked out with a contract for purchase and went back to my office, sat down, and in a few minutes the phone rang again. A member of our church who was a leader in the city, he called me and he said, uh, hey, uh, Pastor, my wife and I, uh, we've been looking at this farmhouse over in Hollymead Subdivision. And uh, I just like, really? I just listened to him, though. He said, we'd like to buy that, and I know you know the people at Virginia Land Company, and I know they own it. He said, do you think you could find out something about it? I said, Jim, I just bought it. I have the contract for purchase. He said, really? He said, do you mind telling me what you paid for it? And I told him. He said, can I bring a $10,000 check to you right now for that contract? And I said, no, no, really, you know, you're one of our members. I don't say, I insist, I won't buy if you don't do it. And he drove over, and that $10,000 came back to me in a period of just a short time. I could go on and on and on. 
But there's too many other pieces. Because Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously, then because of this, God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. I believe this. And I think we ought to start saying, I believe it. And in fact, will you say this out loud with me? We're going to do this, we're going to do this verse again. I think it's very, very important. Deuteronomy 15.10. Let's start here. Then because, because of this, God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. If you believe that, give God some praise right now. That is true. It goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. said God gives... God loves the one who gives gladly and God will make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not be enough in your own needs but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Give the Lord another hand clap for that. This is great stuff. Number eight, generosity increases my happiness. Jesus said, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. When we were kids, we didn't quite get this. And I'm the worst or best example, however you want to look at it. Every year, my sister and I, I only had one sibling, but we get a little gift and a Christmas card from an aunt that lived away from us. And my sister had decided that we need to use that money so we could buy things for our parents. And so every year, we'd trek to town and we'd go shopping and all this. And I'd been thinking about it. And finally, when we got in town, we were walking in the store and said, I don't want to give my money for that. That little kid, my sister got so upset with me. She's about six years older than me. She says, you have to. This is what we do. I said, no, I don't want to do that. You have to. And anyway, I didn't. But come Christmas Day, that was one of the saddest Christmases. And it weighed so heavy on me. And what a tremendous lesson that was. And I think sometimes it just needs to weigh heavy on us every once in a while. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. It really is. Next, generosity expands my influence. Now, this is great. This might be one that maybe you don't think about, and I've already kind of given my illustration, but it fits here too. The world of generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy will get smaller and smaller. That's Proverbs eleven twenty four. but Psalm 1, 12, 9 says, those who give generously to those in need will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor. I can use the same Rick Warren example right here. Because he was willing in his, his ministry, even when he was younger and didn't have as much, to reach out. They do so many great things throughout the city, just like this church does. And there's others, Billy Graham, Robert Morris, my goodness. Think about that. You know, Rick Warren, one of the largest churches in Southern California. Robert Morris, large, one of the largest churches in Texas, largest church in the Dallas area. And he wrote the book, The Blessed Life. If you haven't read it, it covers far more than I can here on the blessed life. So great. All these people, I could go on and on and on. But number 10, generosity multiplies my money. And here's a simple, a simple fact we've already read from Malachi. Give 10% to God and the 90% will go further. I believe that. It works that way. I've watched that. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous man will prosper. He who refuses others will himself be, will himself be refused or will be refreshed. 
He who, I'm sorry, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. So what God does is he just starts pouring this stuff out. And when we respond, the Bible lets us know we cannot outgive God. And so as we're blessed, we're able to bless more. It's beautiful. Number 11, and I'm wrapping this up. Generosity brings God's protection. I got a couple of really valid, powerful statements to make about 2020 and this particular promise. It says in the 112th division of the Psalms, verses 5 and 6, all goes well for the generous man. I want to say that again. All, that's A-L-L, all goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. There have been evil circumstances beyond and in every area, beyond anything we've seen before in this year. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression who all who see it. Now, I want to tell you what I know. I, I am not able to be in all the services, of course, but I've been able to watch all of them. We're a part of this church. This is our home now. Not just the Highland Colony part where we pastored, but this is our home. And I watch. And I have been around some fabulous preachers. I've served on boards of people like Jensen Franklin. I have I've actually opened a service for T.D. Jakes. I, I know some guys that are really amazing people. But I want to tell you, nobody holds a candle to the pastor of Word of Life who is determined that his calling, his calling is to be faithful to God in all the resources and with all the people, and again, it's not just money, but it's everything. It's our prayers. It's our, you know, it's our ability to be a great testimony and witness to other people. It's our praise. And wasn't that great praise today? Don't you just love being able to come and, and exalt him? But what a testimony that during this time, when some churches, and part of what I do now in ministry is I console pastors, I, I kind of coach them because they don't know what's going to happen through all of this. They're trying to do things online. But God's anointing is upon this ministry. God's anointing to do more than has probably ever been done before in the Jackson area is upon this ministry. And what we need to know is you can't fake that. You cannot just say this is what we do and not do it. I love the fact that there have been times that huge checks have been written because there's been a need presented and Pastor Joel knows that God is the source of everything that happens here. And as he gives, God's going to continue to give. Come on. This is some of the best stuff you can think about, deal with, whatever it might be. Number 12. And this is wrapping it up. This is, some, this is the one that if the enemy wants to blind us, if we're blinded, we're blinded by the God of this world, I know. But he wants to blind us to this. Generosity will be rewarded in heaven. It's a fact. It's biblically a fact. Because this is just a moment of time that we're here on earth. If you don't get any of the rest of them, get this one. And it'll help you see the rest of them anyway. It says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 and 19, Use your money to do good. Use your money to do good. Always being ready. I see that in this church, to share with others whatever God has given you. I see this in you as I look at you because you've been ministered to in this church. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure. So we'll be storing up treasure for ourselves in heaven. 
It is the only safe investment for eternity. You may be investing in the market right now and it's probably doing pretty good right now. But you have no guarantee of that. You may think some of the solid pieces that you have invested in here are pretty good or you're wanting to make them good. But you have no guarantee of that. But this one you do. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. By doing this, you will be showing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. Let me read this last part again. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. We should use money. Get this one. You might want to write this one down. We should use money to help people. People in Columbia, people that be on the campuses here, people online, people watching on CBS. We need to get that. Use money. Use money. We should use money to help people. The opposite of that we should not do. Use people to gain money. If you get those things wrong, things are going to go wrong. If you get that right, things will go right. You know, some people think the, some people think the Bible says that money is evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what it says. So let us think about this real, real, real closely. Luke 16, 9. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Hmm. So here's the takeaway for today. You know, you've heard the, you've heard the old statement. You, you can't take it with you. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. We've all laughed at that. But what's the answer? What, how is it that we work this thing out well we we can we can actually invest in heaven we just can't take it with us we send it in advance so we can't take it with us but we can send it forward well i love that and how do you send it forward you send it forward by investing in people how do you invest in people through all the wonderful things that word of life does so next week, December the 13th, you need to really pray. You need to pray that God will speak to your heart, just like that young couple that I pastored. God spoke to their heart, and it changed everything. You need to believe that God has a plan for you, but he wants to trust you. He wants you to go ahead and test him and see. So we're going to pray here in a minute. And when we pray, we're going to pray for Columbia. We're going to pray for things that happen in this city, certainly the Highland Colony campus, love to see that thing, all, everything paid for. It's a tremendous remodeling job over there. If you haven't seen it, you need to. But it's time during this Christmas season when it's about him, God, giving his only son. We need to make it about Jesus again. Let's put Jesus in the middle of Christmas. It's December. You can feel it. And God's going to bless us in ways we can't even imagine. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we have felt your anointing here. That's a gift. We have felt your power in this place. That's a gift. 
You're giving us, Lord, this, this revelation today of generosity. You're giving us, Lord, this revealing of our future being exactly what it can be, regardless of the world's economy, regardless of what strange things are thrown at us. We have no guarantee. We don't know about t- tomorrow. We don't know even about 2021, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we say today, Lord, that we're going to just open our heart. We're not a reservoir. We're an ocean and a river. It's always moving. We're always flowing. It's always new things that's due. We don't grab and then hold on. We open our hand again by giving. And you do amazing things. So give us a new view. Give us a fresh understanding. So your anointing and your power and your love can flow not just to this group, to what is going to happen and all of those that are going to be reached. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for those of you who may not be where you need to be in the Lord. And I know that there are some here that you're hearing this and you're saying, oh, I, I just, I really want to be to the place where God is the supreme in my life. So you can repeat this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross, for your shed blood, my forgiveness, my redemption. I want to give my life to you today. I want to make this the beginning of the best life I can live. So I surrender to you. I declare that you're the Lord of my life. I give you my life. And I want all of the things that you have for me, not just material gifts, but the gifts that are in the Spirit, the things, Lord, that will enrich my life. Say it, the things that will enrich my life. I pray these things knowing, God, that you're going to make everything different. I give you praise. And everybody say in Jesus' name.